There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello? Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Why don't more infant formula companies use organic, grass-fed whole milk instead of skim? Why don't more infant formula companies use the latest breast milk science? Why don't more infant formula companies run their own clinical trials? Why don't more infant formula companies use more of the proteins found in breast milk? Why don't more infant formula companies have their own factories instead of outsourcing their manufacturing? We wondered the same thing. So we made Byheart a better formula for formula. Learn more at byheart.com. I'm Sheila Shoiga, and welcome to Ready to Be Real Conversations the podcast series where I chat to people of all walks of life. Some names you'll recognise, others you might not, but my hope is that these conversations will at times inspire, challenge, educate, comfort, or simply entertain you. In this episode, I speak to singer, manager, producer and psychotherapist Yvonne Tiernan. I spend so much time in my work with clients in their childhood. Yeah. It really, mm. really, we... we I we take on these parts of our own identity and we believe things about ourselves because some one thing a kid said about us once or one look that we got or you know um, we just take all these things on and it's really hard work to go back and dig it up and feel it and try and let it go and feel differently about yourself now yeah for sure um, and I tried to dye my hair red and it looked weird just didn't it looked fake it didn't work and then I just thought well no this is this is red hair being white you know getting older so I've kind of let let that go for now you know it's not to say that I won't go back but it's all these parts of us so who were we when we were little who are we now now I'm 51 who am I now Originally from Dublin, Yvonne has lived in Galway with her husband Tommy for 20 years and they have three kids together. She is such an impressive person, a label we unpacked during the conversation, who is gifted in many different areas of life, from singing and entertainment to management and psychotherapy. The Reigns, the folk trio she's part of, have released their debut album Reverie and they're touring across the country this summer. And during the conversation, we get a sense of who she is and what's important to her as she speaks about her love of her work as a psychotherapist, her career in the entertainment industry, her relationship with Tommy, who she finds endlessly fascinating, and how minding others is really important to her. Here it is. So you were saying you had some clients this morning? Mm. You know, after you see somebody, do you have a process to kind of reset yourself before you see somebody else? That's a real work in progress. Um, I had a friend visiting, an old friend visiting me the last couple of days and she happened to be staying over the days that I was doing my psychotherapy work. And I was saying to her this morning, it's very odd to have you here because I'm kind of altered on those days in Mm. some way. I'm in an altered state. Um, Sometimes it's because I am still processing stuff that I've gone through or because part of it is I think you have to go somewhere to be able to be with people in their darkest places or their Mm. distress. And it's not a snap in, snap out of it type of thing. So I'm learning how to do that. Sometimes I just go down to the beach with the dogs or um, I'm sure the people around me notice it. They've said they notice it. Sometimes when you come back in from stuff that's fairly heavy duty or very meaningful and 
You have a bunch of people coming at you looking for, you know, where's that pair of shorts and where's the, and, yeah. you know, so it takes a yeah. moment. And, um, I can imagine. Yeah. I'm not sure what it's like to live with the psychotherapist. I never have. Um, there might be benefits and challenges with it, I mm. think. Yeah. Yeah, because as you said, it's not, it's not a, I go, I do my work and then I'm, I leave that behind me. It's sometimes, I would imagine there, there can be residue or it's, it's difficult to just switch that part of you off. Um, You're still, um, I read something recently that said you're holding the space in the run up to your hours of work and you're holding the space after it. Okay. And your clients are somehow, they're already with you when they know they have the appointment. They're there's something happening in the process already before they're even sitting in front of you. And a lot of the process happens outside of the room after. So in some ways you're holding space. Um, and it can be, it can come as well. You might get a text from a client or something on a day where you're not working that is really important or you know the weight of that particular thing, whether it's somebody passing in their life or whatever it is. And because it's all so confidential, you're kind of left holding it. So you might be sitting in a moment of knowing something and everything in your life is happening around you. And you, it's important to keep, for me, to keep trying to be aware that everyone who's around me gets to be who they are around me, you know, mm, yeah. in a way yeah, that, because yeah, yeah. it's just hard, you know. Yeah. But I imagine anyone that's doing any kind of, work like this um, it's a big part of the training how to prepare yourself to get into it and how to look after yourself coming out of it mm, yeah. yeah what led you to uh, go down the path because you are you're really gifted you're very talented you've got a lot of excuse the pun but strings to your bow <laughs> in you. terms of your entertainment backgrounds but psychotherapy is very specialised Mm. And it is something that requires a huge amount of dedication, a lot of study and then natural ability, I would imagine. Mm. Somebody that someone can feel comfortable enough to share their, their deepest, darkest secrets if that's what they need to do. And that is not something that necessarily can be just learned. It's in. It's, I feel like the best therapists are the ones that have always had that ability within them and then they just get the training to back it up. Yeah, it's. I suppose it's like anything, you know, people, I wonder how Tommy does what he does or you do what you do or there's, there's some, we come with stuff naturally, some mm. abilities naturally or we're drawn to things naturally um, and then other stuff happens around that environmentally and I remember spending a lot of time sitting up on a specific branch in a tree in our back garden, observing my family in the kitchen, mm. wondering why they behaved the way they did, what was going on for them, thinking about, you know, uh, who they were, what was happening, how I felt about that, what they might be feeling. And I hadn't thought about that before. And I suppose I guess you might ask me about the psychotherapy thing, but that that's a real... A memory that's familiar to me now in the work is that thing of being able to sit and be fascinated by people's internal worlds mm. uh, and drawn to it, which is probably not something every child is doing. Yeah, tree, yeah, you know? yeah, yeah. I don't know. That's it, it's something I just thought about this morning. So you would have been that memory would have been you as a as a young girl. Yeah, very young. Yeah. You're right. Yeah, there yeah. You go. Climbing up a tree, sitting on a branch, looking in the window, watching, taking it in. Yeah, taking yeah, it in. Yeah, interesting. Yeah. So we can often have different aspects of our personality, and uh, you know, often we're not just an extrovert or an introvert. Mm. A lot of us are a blend or depends on the circumstance. And a lot of your career is quite extrovert, mm. you know, on a stage, mm. you know, in the limelight as it were. But yet there's obviously a huge part of the person that you are is the observer, mm. is the I'm going to kick back here and take it all in. Yeah. Um, I remember also uh, 
watching television, like just showbiz stuff, showbiz, and mm. being really drawn to it and thinking that looks fantastic. Why wouldn't you want to do that? Why wouldn't you want to be with all the, you know, those wonderful clothes and the lights and the makeup and the dancing and the singing? And I could always sing, you know? Yeah. Um. So, yeah. That was I, a natural I, step. Yeah, I think I was a little in love with Noel Edmonds as well and a few yeah. a few of those characters, David Essex and Top of the Pops. So I, uh, like, why wouldn't you? I never seemed to, um, my parents were married very young and had their kids very young and my dad worked as a barman and I think he wanted to be a jockey or a boxer. Uh, but, you know, they, they were a working class family and my mum worked as a silver service waitress and... Um, they worked really hard and it was a tough slog for them. <clears throat> and I remember just being like, oh, no, that's for me, that stuff, that world, the entertainment business, that's where I'm going. And I just couldn't wait to get out of school to get going. So and that's what it's always been. So maybe a mixture of fascination with people and then um singing, also knowing my limitations as a singer, you know, I never thought I was like the greatest singer, but I knew I could sing. And for me, that was another way of working, mm. another way of earning a living, another way of um, getting into showbiz. Yeah. 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 So how young were you when you got into the singing in a big way? Um, I remember going up to the stables with my friends and they used to make me sing opera so they could laugh because it was such a ridiculous sound because I have this really big, powerful, top operatic voice that I had since I was a kid. I just was able to sing all these, you know, huge, big things. And they thought it was, as you would, like such a ridiculous loud sound (laughs) and frighten all the animals up in the yard. And I would do that. And then in school, myself and Lorraine Keane were in class together and we got the I was her husband, Gaylord Ravenall, in Showboat <laughs> uh, in Sanctum Maria. You know, so you'd be kind of brought forward for the singing stuff and then uh, brought to the Irish College of Music to do singing. And then I trained in opera with Veronica Dunn and stuff like that. But it never really sat well with me. I wanted to be in a band. I wanted to be in a rock band. And I answered a, an ad in the hot press for a backing vocalist for a band on the north side. Very commitments. And yeah. I got the dart over and auditioned and joined a rock band at 17 and then I just couldn't wait to get out of school and then went then got jobs because I worked in the bar at my dad so I could waitress so it's always like I can do these things where can they take me I'll just do all of them all together and see where it takes me so then I got a job in the Pink Elephant which is where all the showbiz people went then got a job in Reynards met Robbie Wooden convinced him to give me a job in the factory studios um I put on this whole concert. It was called Spotlight on AIDS. My sister owned a hotel up the road. She ran a hotel. And I used to hassle Robbie to give me a job at the factory because I really wanted to work there. That was where all the great music was being made in Ireland. All the international bands were coming in, all the Irish bands, the stunning Something Happens You Too. You know, everybody, the Hothouse Flowers, it's where their office was. Yeah. And I knew that I wanted to sing, but I was really fascinated about management as well. So... I said to Robbie, if I put on a concert to show you what I can do, would you come? And I think I was 20, 19 or 20 or something. And he was like, "Okay, it's this waitress in a bar he went to. So I put together at the time um, AIDS was uh, really an issue. Mm. And Mm. um, I put together a benefit. It was called Spotlight on AIDS. And um, we raised a whole load of money. And I had friends of mine from all kinds of bands come and they got their heads shaved and they did all kinds of, you know, to raise money. And the whole thing happened. And it was great to do that Senator David Norris came out and he was all through these contacts from the bar that I worked in, friends. And at the end of the night, I was like, he's not coming, he's not coming to see, you know. And Robbie walked in the door and he said to me, did you do all of this to get a job as a receptionist in the factory for like 70 quid a week or something. I said, yes, I did. Apart from the cause, obviously. But yeah, yeah I, you know, I wanted you to see what I can do, what I can put together. And he said, I'll see you on Monday. And that's how I got my job in the factory. And then I just met so many people and ended up at my own management officer. And then I started to get a job as a singer with the commitments, went on the road with them touring, then with Abba S. And we formed Abba S, me and my yeah. sister. You've probably seen us yeah. at three or four parties over the years. Um, 
at a time where cover bands were huge, we ended up playing the Point Depot on New Year's Eve. It was mental. Me and my sister Paula, who was trying to make me laugh the whole time. Yeah, huge. Like um, great fun and all that doing the groundwork of back of a van down to Cork, two, three shows a night, dealing with crowds, rough PA's, rough mic sound, everything. Doing like your like doing a degree in performing and singing and how to be on stage, how to put together your mic, how to, you know, deal with gear, how to, all of that stuff, um, how to promote shows, how to, you know, all of that. Um, so you were never afraid of what if I, you know, if I don't do this the right way? Like you weren't afraid of making mistakes, I take it. I was more afraid of having to get a job that was, I'd be stuck in and very bored. Yeah, That was more terrifying to me than not getting to be in this world that I felt I belonged to. Mm. When you talk about the event at only 1920, like that's, it's very impressive. I mean, I know this is going to be the theme of this chat because I, I do believe you're incredibly impressive as a person. But as so young to be, I know you may, perhaps you're uncomfortable <laughs> me saying that, but. No, I think it's really interesting because I've only realised, and this is from pulling myself apart literally in all the training I had to do and all my own therapy hours and getting yeah. to be really honest with myself. Mm. I think I was trying to impress. I think I didn't really, underneath it all, think uh, I was as great as or as interesting or as brilliant or as talented as a lot of the people around me. Um, and I do think that it goes back to being in a child in a household where my parents were really busy and maybe they were of a generation where they didn't, you know, sit in the ground and play with you the way we do with our kids and you know they were just getting through and doing their best and I it was my way of going look what I can do look over here I'm over here look what I can do and mm. and then because I realized I could do these things and they seemed you know like uh, I think when I was 17 I sang with the Dublin Grand Opera Society in Carmen in the Gaiety and my mum coming to sit at the back I wasn't really getting much joy out of it right um, there's a lot of stuff that I did that even when I was sending you in a bio and thinking, oh yeah, that because people would say that to me, oh that's really and you do this and you, you're so impressive and so. And when I think back to how I felt in those moments, I was looking for something else out of all of that stuff, if okay. that makes sense yeah. to you. And I only mm. know that now, and I feel kind of sad for myself a little bit that I would be sitting on a stage or sitting, you know, in a in a. a, a what would be considered to be an impressive position. Part of me was feeling a bit sad or a bit lonesome or a bit something. This isn't enough. I need to do more. It's not, yeah. you know, I'm not getting what I need. And that's where the whole psychotherapy world comes into it now. Um, in me being able to look back at that stuff. Yeah. What, what was not making me happy? Why did I need to do something that was bigger than that or the next thing or, you know... Um, yeah. So the impressive thing, um, it's all been stuff that I can do. So it doesn't really impress me that mm, I do it. Okay. It interests me and sometimes excites me, but it it doesn't... I'm more impressed by me having a really difficult, honest conversation with somebody if I'm if it makes me really uncomfortable. That's more brave and terrifying to me than putting together a show or a gig. Or a, Do you know what I'm saying? I hear what you're saying. And probably because the, the putting together a show bit comes very easy mm. to you now mm. after years and years of experience in particular. I suppose it's just the looking back at your 19, 20 year old self. Are you able to say, yeah, you know, well done her as in, to have the courage and the conviction to just pull all these people together and make this event happen. Um, you know, to me, listening to you, I'm just going, the confidence, the, 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 the willingness to just do the work required and make it a reality is, it is very impressive at a young age in particular. Yeah. And I would love to go back and give her a big hug. Yeah. Okay. Okay. And tell her, you don't have to try so hard. Okay. People will like being in your company if you're just yourself. Enough people 
will like that, people that you care about and they care about you. You don't have to always be doing something that comes across as impressive mm. to fit in or to belong or... Um, I was trying very hard to fit in and always felt like the not cool one in a very cool environment. And even the fact that I use the word cool probably would show you how not cool I am. <laughs> but I mean, I was surrounded by, do you know, like... You, well, I'm you, listening to you and I think you're very cool. Oh, I was listening. I, was like, I think you're very cool. Thanks. You know, so... But, I, you know, I was in an environment where, you know, Bob Dylan would wander past you or Johnny Cash or Bono or... yeah. David Bowie pass you a spoon in the canteen. You know, all this, you're kind of like... Crazy. And you're talking about someone who grew up as a little red-headed kid with, you know, my little yellow eyelashes and my freckles and felt like I was... Nobody ever wanted to kiss me or go out with me or, you know, my sister got all the Valentine cards and the... I just felt like I was this little kind of, um, I don't know, runt at the back of the pack. Do you know? I'm trying not to to talk over you or jump in talk, because jump the, the, in. No, the gas in. thing is I talk right, a lot. I talk and I know that we're you know nowadays, and I I get why because you know complimenting people physically can be a bit of a no go area because you don't know what you're complimenting. Some people can be going through or utter, utter turmoil physically, may look a certain way, but you don't know what you're actually praising mm. if mm. you do that. But I will say you're gorgeous looking. Thank you. So I find Sorry, that hilarious that um. Not hilarious, but isn't it crazy? But we're not that isn't far apart in age that you no. would. You're not a redhead. Hector's a redhead and him and I understand what it's well, like to grow I, up as I, redhead. I will stop you there. I had okay. red hair till I was around four. I'm talking orange. My, so my have roots. two sons that have the same orange hair yes. and they're celebrated everywhere they go. Everybody loves them. But it was, and I'm not doing a small violin here or anything, but it was really, you were, like I was beaten up and I was, you know, you get a, I had a tough, tough time in school. Okay. Um, yeah. And uh, the glamour of makeup, being able to change um, the the colour of my eyelashes or my eyebrows or my, I got very into makeup and um, and all of that stuff and the difference. And then I would be very ashamed if anybody saw me without makeup because it's so different. And, um, you know, so like everybody else, I had all of my, I know you've talked a lot about body stuff on mm. the podcast yeah, in yeah. a really beautiful way. Um, uh, but that would be the one for me. But I mean, and now my hair is nearly white and it's so weird because I identify as a redhead. It was the only phrase I can come up with. I'm, to me, I have orange hair and now I look completely different and people will say that blonde lady. And I'd be like, who are they talking to? Because I fought so hard and so long mm. um, to for it not to be a negative thing. And then it just vanished, disappeared. Yeah. I mean, there's worse problems. I know that. I do get that. But um, I spend so much time in my work with clients in their childhood. Yeah. It really, mm. really... we. We, I, we take on these parts of our own identity and we believe things about ourselves because some one thing a kid said about us once or one look that we got or, you know, um, we just take all these things on and it's really hard work to go back and dig it up and feel it and try and let it go and feel differently about yourself now. Yeah, for sure. Um, and I tried to dye my hair red and it looked weird, just didn't, it looked fake, it didn't work. And then I just thought, well, no, this is, this is red hair being white, you know, getting older. So I've kind of let, let that go for now, you know, it's not to say that I won't go back, but it's all these parts of us. Who were we when we were little? Who are we now? Now I'm 51. Who am I now? What bits of me am I still Play, are still playing out in my relationships in my everyday life what stuff that I took from then is still happening now how do I feel about my body how do I feel about how I look or my relationships or my family or my you know so mm -hmm. and because of my work I'm naturally constantly digging into that yeah yeah. because the more you do that the better I suppose the better the therapist you can be and the better help you can be to the person sitting in front of you isn't that right yeah, and and also like I I grew up in Dublin. I lived there till I was about thirty, and then moved to Galway. And um, so the music industry was my whole working career, and all of my friends were in the music 
business and bands and people I toured with or sang with or friends who were in other bands. And then I moved to Galway and kind of became a mum fairly quickly Mm. and was down at the school gates with people who I didn't know, who didn't know me, had no history with them. And then I'm Tommy Tiernan's wife, mainly. Um, And I had to start kind of all over again with once the kids were at a certain age, getting back to the stuff that I knew and the stuff that where I felt I belonged and recreated here, which was really hard. It was really tough because I know a lot of the, the people, we live in Barna now, I'm sure half of them were looking going, what is she doing starting a band, singing down the local bar? And, you know, one of the mums performing in a bar in a band and going, she's looking for attention or is she like having a midlife crisis or what's going on there or is she and I'm thinking no this is just me this is me and I'm really trying not to be afraid of what people think yeah and just be me be the me I've always been here and that was to me that's brave that's you know yeah yeah starting bands and playing down your local hotel with all the parents from the school and you're up there like giving it socks that was terrifying And and perhaps what they're actually thinking is, isn't she brilliant? Isn't that class what she's doing? And some of them could have been thinking, who does she think she is? Look look. at her up on, you know, in her cowboy boots. (laughs) 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 Because I'm sure I probably was wearing cowboy boots. But that led me to, you know, that was, um, that led me then to meeting the band that I'm in now, The Rains. And now we have like our debut album out and we're on tour and I'm back to being me. That's like I'm on stage and I'm singing. I'm getting lost in songs. I'm, I'm writing songs. I'm hearing songs. A song like recently when we released the album, I'd written a song called Shadow Dance on it, and and it was playlisted on Radio One for two weeks. I'd be in the car and I'd hear a song I'd written coming on the radio at fifty one. Like that's mad. That's amazing. And I kind of don't really allow myself to get into what people think. I just really am. Um, taken so much joy out of it for myself yeah. now. It doesn't really matter who likes it, who doesn't. It's kind of, I'm just going to keep doing it. And if people want to come to the gigs, great. And if my band keep want to play with me and tour with me and, you know, Roots and Juliana are my friends and we have uh, a, an amazing musical connection with each other and we're good friends too. Yeah. And I love the stuff that we do. So um, long may it last but it feels kind of like I'm just really getting started mm. here now So we're going to play a few seconds now of a song that you wrote mm. Shadow Dance Thank you Here it is The hooded crow is calling Telling me that you are on your way back home Maybe I'll go walking To get more time here on my You've mentioned moving to Galway mm. and, you know, having having kids and that part of your life opening up. And I suppose I, that's kind of where I'm at at the moment. I have a one and a half year old and an almost six year old. I know your kids are a little bit older. I mean, not, not massively, but I feel and everybody tells me, oh, you're in the easy phase. It gets harder. And I'm like, what? Because I feel it's quite intense right now. As much as I, I love it, and I feel very grateful. I do find it quite intense. The juggle. But um, let's talk about you and Tommy for a moment and the how you decided to move west because it's a big move, isn't it? Moving to the west of Ireland. Yeah, I'd spent most of my 20s on the road with the Chieftains and I was Paddy's, I was the band's management representative. I was also the lead singer with the band, which is amazing. Like yeah, amazing. Carnegie Hall and all these places, Incredible. you know. And then I'd come off the stage singing the solos and put on all my mics and my packs and then herd the lads into the vans, get them back to the hotel. Like it was quite a young 20-something-year-old looking job. after all these crazy uncles, as I like to call them. Yeah. Um, and I was living in a flat in Temple Bar over the Elephant and Castle and I'd been there a long time and I think I was just ready. Tommy was already well set up and going. I was ready to move. Temple Bar had changed. It, it was not as... Um, it was a very exciting place when I moved there and it was starting to get a bit messy and 
I was ready for something new and um and having a family then I suppose really I put down roots then in Galway and um and it took a good while to get going I had difficult pregnancies I'd miscarriages and I had um three c-sections like Theo was born two months early Louis was born three and a half weeks early okay I had real difficulties on my pregnancy with Isabel and a couple of miscarriages before that so it was a really tough time and Tommy was touring all the time um and we were working together as well so I was running the business side of his management and Um, you still do I still do yeah and um so it was tough. I had a lot of, sometimes I think it was undiagnosed um, postnatal depression. Um, I really struggled with the lack of sleep and I didn't have family in Galway. Um, neither of us are from Galway, so we didn't have any, um, you know, of our, system, yeah, yeah, around us. Yeah. Um, and it was really tough going, really, really, really tough for a few years. Um and so when you say, oh, people say you're in the easy bit. Now, I don't think there is an easy bit of being a mother. No. I just don't. Yeah. I don't think there are easy years. I think there are challenges and benefits to all of the different ages of being a mother. But we're just, it's always that thing of, am I doing enough? Am I, you know, that that whole struggle of, oh, what did I feed them today? Could should be giving them more good stuff. And I took the easy way out today, but it's okay. You know, and it's like, and then, mm-hmm. oh, I should be trying to watch every match. And I, you know, it's it's endless. We could be beating ourselves up endlessly. Yeah. And um, I have kind of come to a place where I feel that if I am able to be a safe spot for them, the secure base, I suppose, would be in psychotherapy, but just really be, the one with open arms when they need me and coming from a really loving place and mm. warm and doing my best uh, that that's good enough. Sometimes I do a great job and other times I do a bit of a crappy job or get stressed or and that's all good. Yeah. You know, that's yeah. Um, yeah. so I get that. It's the same. Yeah. And I, I, I saw you get a really hard time recently for saying you were tired or something. Oh, yeah. I mean, oh, yeah. I it, it took a lot for me not to jump to your defense, you know, and and I thought well, you, it's not really any of my business. You're well able to speak for yourself, but um yeah, it is that whole thing of I think sometimes, you know, and I'm I'm fascinated by it because I use it a lot. Uh, the the platform being Instagram, I use it a lot for 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 not just the mindless scrolling, but also to promote conversations like the one I'm having with you right now and bits of work that I'm doing. But increasingly, I'm becoming a bit more allergic to the being real bit on it mm. because what happens then is when you do open your heart and you do allow yourself to be a bit real, a bit vulnerable, it can be then picked up by an online article. And mm. the trolls come out to play. Yeah. So it's like you're you're inviting abuse basically yeah. by simply trying to connect people in, in in a real in a real way. So there's an element of you're damned if you do and you're damned if you don't. And I think that's a real I think it's a real shame because this whole podcast, I mean the name of it is about being real. I I, that's what I, I want to be more of that in my life. But yet I feel like when you are, um, it's it's sometimes taken out of context or, uh, yeah, if you're if you're saying that you're happy, you're smug, if you're saying it's tough, you're a moany bitch. So you kind of can't win. Yeah, it's impossible. I sometimes wonder what would social media be like if there were no comments. You just turn all the comments off. Yeah. You put out what you want, what you believe in, what you feel is real and honest. And then you're not looking for anyone to comment on it. You're just saying what you want to say, what you want to put out in the world. And if people want to listen, they do. And if they want to have an opinion, the only place they have to put it is with themselves or whoever they're beside. You know, in some ways it might be a far healthier place mm. yes um to get to be who you are so uh 
You can't win. I mean, if I take a picture of our fireplace with a candle on it and put it up on my Instagram, because I love home stuff. You yeah, know, yeah. Um, uh, the following day, they'll be at home with Tommy and his wife, Yvonne Tiernan. Let's have a look inside their private house with... Now, that's only like from a picture of a mantelpiece. So... Yeah, as, as if you just did MTV Cribs. Exactly. Yeah. And come on in, come on in. in. Yeah. yeah. And I'm always amazed because Tommy speaks very publicly, regularly, mm. um, about his life, about everything in his life. And mm. he does in his stand-up too. And I would never ask him not to. Um, but it's almost like, and I was thinking when I was coming in here today, I was feeling a bit nervous and I was thinking, that's not like me for something like this. And I realised that it wasn't so much about me talking about my life or my experience. It's that it's so, uh, it's such a part of my life that people are wanting information about Tommy. Yeah, And I think that's yeah. fine when it's, him giving that information, he can choose to say whatever he wants or or not about himself. Um, but I get very protective about um, him and our family, and uh, because it's a source for clickbait. Yeah. Now that doesn't mean you know you can ask me about him, and people do. He's a fascinating person. I'm fascinated by him. You know, <laughs> most people are fascinated by him and his work and want to try and understand him and, you know, uh, but it's, for me, it's about still learning where the line is. Um, and maybe even just the fact that I'm married to him um, is interesting for people. I'd probably be interested in that. I'd probably want to ask me stuff Um do you know what I mean? Yeah, I, I do. I, and I, I really do. I get it and I respect it. And the thing, the tricky thing is, you see, I have no control over whether a part of this conversation that we're having right now, when this is released, mm. whether it'll be picked up in an online article mm. and they will, you know, throw a sensational headline on it or something. It may happen. It may not. Who knows? But I, I really do respect and get where you're coming from on that and you're trying to allow yourself to be free and real. But then I suppose from what everything you've said and everything I know of you as well, you're a minder. Mm. You know, you've spent a lot of your of your of your career minding others, looking after them, making sure they're OK. So mm. I suppose for you, um, it's it's not necessarily, as you've already said, it's not really about you. It's about wanting others not to, to be caught up in that as well. Yeah, and like you say, we can't really control it. Like, I'm also um, responsible for deciding to speak and do a podcast. And I have, you know, I'm part of a band that has is going on tour. We want to let people know about the, the album and the shows. And inevitably, when we start doing PR, um, whoever it is will want to interview me. Mm. You know, it becomes mm. me being the focus. And... Ruth and Juliana are very good about it and they get it and they would say, hey, look, if we're, the band is getting some attention, if you, as long as you don't mind, I kind of feel a little bit uncomfortable about it at times. And I also get how it works. I get, I've been a publicist, I get how it works. So, yeah. uh, but naming it can be great. Just saying that, uh, you know, and I sometimes think, well, I make something up about him just to see if it would, <laughs> yeah. do you know... Uh, if that'll be like he yeah. only wears my nightdresses to bed or something, let's see oh, that's, if that's, that's the headline tomorrow. A headline, yeah, yeah. Um, let's elaborate. Will, let's elaborate yeah. on that one. Let's people give them a bit know of if it's content. true or not true. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? You could play with it a little bit. Yeah. Um. Maybe not taking it too seriously. Yeah. Uh. But it can be hurtful, uh, and I get yeah. that. Like mm. it can. It's challenging. Um. The whole being well known thing. It's. Uh, yeah. Hmm. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. 
My solution is PlushCare. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weightloss. That's plushcare.com slash weightloss. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Because, like, we recently were at an event together. The reason I mention that is you were there that night and Tommy wasn't with you. I get the feeling that you would attend events separately. Would I be right in thinking that? Yeah, he's not mad for going out. Uh, is it hard work for him? He's in America on tour. Oh, well, that, um, well like he can't clone himself. He says that going out publicly is kind of like wearing a big pair of multicoloured pants mm. or, you know, some kind of gaudy outfit that he can feel people looking at him and you hear the I mean the kids would you'd always hear the hear the two T's okay um, <laughs> and we'd be just we just want to get through town come on you know um, so yeah he would have uh, I think once he walks out the door there is a an expectancy maybe mm. put upon him or a pressure you would know about that you're recognisable so yeah but not at his level mm. yeah not at the not at the Tommy Tiernan level, you yeah. know, let's be honest. Yeah. Um, yeah. So it's nice How, for him when he gets to be somewhere where people don't know don't do that. who he is and he just gets to stand in, in a bookshop for four hours. Yeah, in, of course. In one section and mm. chill or, you know, that's nice for him. But it's it comes with its price. And so I don't think he naturally would be somebody that's mad to go out dancing at balls. That wouldn't be yeah, his yeah, thing. Yeah, okay. He's, you know... Uh, but um, he wouldn't go to a lot of it, yeah. So yeah. I suppose people imagine that we go out all the time to these glamorous occasions. I'll go. Mm-hmm. <laughs> sure, know? yeah. I'll go to stuff if, I, if I'm, if I like partying. Um, and I used to want him to come to everything with me. Uh, and and I get it now. Okay. Sometimes he does and it's great and lots of times he doesn't. So yeah, I've had to do huge amounts of work on myself um, stuff that was n- would never have been anything to do with who I was with, but I would, you know, uh, if he was in a bad mood, I would think it would was something to do with me or my fault, and I would have to fix it. Okay, and that's a really, really tough, painful stuff. Mm. Um, and most of the time, that would be nothing to do with me, but I would be very bothered, very anxious, very, um, I feel like we all have, there's stuff, there's situations that I'm very calm in. I'm very comfortable being with people in my life and clients where I am at my most comfortable in their darkest places, in their distress, in their, in being with them and, and holding a safe place for them. Um, some people's anxiety comes out in, you know, in ways that are to do with uh, medical stuff or or travel or, you know, whatever it is. I think we all have a place where our stuff shows up Mm, and that's mm. where all the flags are flying. This is the place where you need to do the work. And so um, for me, that has been through my training in psychotherapy and my continued work in it and continued therapy is for me identifying what's mine and what's not mine and letting people be with what's theirs and me taking responsibility for mine and working through mine. And that can be really, really, really uncomfortable, really uncomfortable. Um, So, but because when it's really worth it, when you really want to be with 
somebody um and when you've created a family with them and when it's you can't imagine your life not with that person then there comes a point where for me I have had to sort out my own stuff you know he has his own thing you've spoken to him he has his own challenges and his own um struggles or you know like everybody has uh but that's where mine would show up. Mine would show up in uh, anxiety around, uh, tr- you know, always f- um, feeling that uh, I was, I had to make things right. I have to have to make things better. Even if I, if I, you know, if I, there's that famous story of, you know, you see a woman walking down Shop Street, say, and you know her. And you mm. say hi and she walks past you and straight away you think, oh, what have I done? I've done something. What? What is the, oh, is it because, and then you start thinking of all the reasons and it's because her kid and I did, you know, or whatever. And that woman didn't see you or she has something else going on in her. So you take that and you take it to an extreme. So anything yeah. that would happen for me, I would think this is my, I would take it all on myself. So, but that shows up for different people in different areas. Um, so I think one of the things that has been good about all the psychotherapy stuff is me um, looking at my own stuff. Mm. And then it can be hard because also part of the training and the work is that you see all the behavioral patterns in your family and extended family and your friendships and people that you work with. And, you know, and sometimes that can be hard for people in your life because they think, oh, you're looking at me now and you're thinking that I'm, that's a, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm being defensive. Is that what you're thinking? You know, or you're looking at me, don't be, don't be analyzing me. And you go, I wasn't, I was thinking, do I want a cup of coffee? <laughs> you know, and yeah, sometimes you are, sometimes you are seeing stuff. It's, yeah. it's, um, and I don't know what that's like to live with. It might be really uncomfortable at times. Sometimes I hope it's helpful. I hope that, I hope that my work uh, somehow is helpful for me in my uh, connections with my kids and with my husband and with my friends that somehow I get to be better with them. That I'm yes. not dumping my stuff yeah, as yeah, much yeah, on yeah. them. Yeah. You know? Yeah. That I'm kind of dealing with it myself. Does that make sense? It does. Yeah, it do- absolutely it does. I mean, a lot of people have said, and I know it's not the first time you, you'll have heard it, um, that you know, the reason Tommy is so, uh, you've used the word yourself, fascinating to watch and wonderful to watch. And the the show is so popular is obviously there's so many ingredients and the magic of the not knowing who's coming out and it's Tommy. But he, he, his style of interview is, is very much like a therapy session. Mm. (laughs) (laughs) So, you know, is he, is he getting the inside track at home? Um, is he picking your brain going, Yvonne? No, I, I often joke with him, you know, when he's not listening to me or retaining the mundane regular schedule for the week that I'm going to book myself on, on as a guest. <laughs> so yeah, he'll listen to me yeah, solidly yeah, yeah, for yeah. an hour yeah. when he, you know. Um, yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. Yeah. And he is wonderful in, I mean, it's, it's, an extraordinary show. I'm a it big is, fan and is. I make sure the production company don't tell me who the guests are so I can sit down and watch it like everybody oh, else and be surprised. That. Yeah, unless I go up to a filming. Yeah. And it's amazing. And, it's, and he doesn't tell you? No, I tell him not to tell me. I don't want to know. All right, very good. Cool. Sometimes I can guess something will show up in the house and I think, oh, was that, why are you buying those albums or what's that, you know? Oh, yeah. Um, uh, yeah, so... But I, I remember him talking to you about that and saying that a part of him is showing up for that particular moment. Mm. And I do believe mm. that that's what happens. We have all these sub-personalities. I'm talking like a therapist here again, but we've all these parts of ourselves. You know, they might be wearing different outfits and they're different ages and they're di- that come forward for whatever. Yeah. Who, in this situation, some part of me has come forward to be here. Um. And a part of him is showing up to be able to be with people in those interviews. And I remember when he came up with the idea and thinking it was, must be, you know, ext- he's very extreme as well in his, um, he's, he's wonderful for ideas, you know, just going beyond 
what everybody else is doing. He'll think of the next thing and it's the next thing. He's always pushing the boundaries a bit. Um, What I do recognize is someone who is able to sit with you. I remember when my dad passed away and he was just able to be with me quietly um, without trying to fix it or make it better or, you know, telling me what I should or could or would do. He was just able to be with me in my sadness Mm. and uh, in a really beautiful way. And, uh, And I think that the show works so well because... There's something about Tommy that Irish people really trust. There's an honesty about him and there's um, people are willing to go on and maybe because he's been always so open about himself, they're able to open up to him. I don't know. It's an it's an extraordinary thing. Can't always explain it. Yeah. People who go on the show like what he has to say mm. about the structure of things. He's challenged my thinking, you know, um, like one of our kids is not mad for school and really doesn't suit her, the the educational system. She just, she's very smart. She's really funny, um, but she finds being in school a challenge, you know, yeah. all day. And he would be very, he's very good at offering me a different way of looking at things than maybe I grew up with, which is all you have to do this and you have to, and if you don't do that in your life and you're, you know, that thing that kicks in. Um, and so I'm, I'm, cause he thinks outside the box all the time. Hmm. Uh, it's, it helps me to kind of break through some of the stuff that, uh, is where I'm trying to keep everybody safe. Mm. So, mm. you know, so it's it's a fascinating watch and their conversations has been times where for him it's been it's it's a tough job, you know. Yeah. Um, but the conversations I think that are had on that show are so important. Big time. You know, men open up to him in a way that maybe they don't in, in other shows and stuff has been spoken about on the show. I've learned stuff from yeah. listening to people on the show. So have I. It's, yeah. a, it's really important. It's really important. Mm. And there are times it's really fun and silly and mm. very entertaining. And as you said, then at other times it really does make you think mm. and um, gives a platform to people who are given space to be heard. Mm. And the power in that pause, the, he allows that, you know, as you said there, not being afraid of silence because mm. I think for a lot of us it's a bit scary mm. to you know oh wait a second wait, we need to be filling all the gaps where he doesn't feel he needs to fill all the gaps yeah and I've learned from him as well in sitting with him if you're in conversation with him he'll stop and think for a while before he says and then he's also a wordsmith so he'll take some time mm. putting a sentence together and there's times where uh, I'll be like hurry up and you know I have to go <laughs> And then there's other times where I think, oh, what's he going to say? Well, no clue. Yeah. You know? Still after all this time together. Yes. Yeah. What's he going to say? It's great to still be fascinated and excited by mm, somebody. Absolutely. Um, and at the same time, it's just as challenging as any 20-year marriage with all the normal, mm. usual stuff. Do you know, yeah, there's yeah, all, yeah, all yeah. of that I don't want. Because I, I get a lot of, oh, your life must be... You know, and she must be laughing all the time and he's listening to you all the time and you're a therapist so there's no troubles. You know, you could easily project a whole load of Mm. imaginary scenarios and it's much more like, did you feed the dog? Yeah. What will we have for dinner? Sure. Will you watch Succession with me? Yeah. (laughs) Please. You know. And does he? Yes. Oh, good. So you're talking about, you know, Isabel maybe finding the school system a bit of a challenge and then you said you couldn't wait to get out of school yourself Mm. and you know Mm. you know go down the entertainment route but then obviously tackling psychotherapy anyone who's done it knows there's a lot of it's it's hugely academic it's Mm. a lot of work it's uh, it's a lot of exams a lot of paperwork all of that kind of stuff did that did that challenge the younger you or how was that process for you coming to it and making that decision to say, okay, I'm going to do this. Because 
I just know from people who have studied, it's it's not a quick, you know, weekend course. And there you are, you're a psychotherapist. It's it's a lot of work. It's it's a lot of work. It's kind of like doing open heart surgery on yourself mm. alongside having to deliver academic uh, essays, you know, with correct referencing and all that stuff. That And all the while is trying to rear your kids and, you know, be a wife a and, and run a business yeah. and do all the other stuff like... Um, so I, I was part of a family that I think my parents, like I said, they kind of married young and, uh, it was more important that they had well-paying jobs early in their situations. My sister, Jean was the first one to go to college and she kind of worked and put herself through college and did all kinds of masters and she speaks all kinds of languages and she's very academic and loved that. Paula was like, no, thanks. No, she's the one I was in Abbesque with. Yeah. Um, very bright uh, woman, but no interest in it. And um, and for me, I just wanted to be in a band, no interest in going to college. And like, it was just, I'm, I wanted to pass my leaving cert because I felt like if I didn't, I was so worried. I had been, the message I had received was, if you don't pass your leaving cert, your life will be a mess. You won't be able to ever get a proper job, all that sort of stuff. So I just thought if I can just tick that box and pass my leaving cert. I think I got one honour in home economics for making a mandarin orange sponge cake <laughs> and I failed past maths and I got a few passes and I passed and that was it. I yeah. ticked the box and then yeah. I was off gone into music. And then um, about 10 years ago, I started doing an open university um course in psychology and then was pregnant with Theo and stopped again and then I went to uh, NUIG I was trying to get away from all of the work that I was doing being all about Tommy so was, you know it's a big mm. monster of a business he's so many projects and it's huge and then being married as well you know it seemed like all we were talking about was his work and for either of us that's not a good thing. So I wanted to pull myself out of it. And I did the couch series as an interview yeah. series, which really was me wanting to be a counsellor and not being qualified to ask questions. So I had to keep pulling back. And that oh, was, really? yeah, when I look at it now, I'm glad it wasn't commissioned. I loved it. And I was, I think I'm, I bumped into you guys, actually. I think it was Croke Park. It was an all, it was an all Ireland final day anyway. And I was, I was like, I was mad for come back. I was like, when is it back? And I remember I think your your face spoke a lot to me and was kind of like, no, don't go there. We're, you know, I was it's, it's disappointed at the time because it's all I thought that I could come up with to do. But in retrospect, I'm really glad it wasn't commissioned. So I'm just to really explain glad. it to people who, who are listening who may not have had the pleasure of seeing it. So it was beautifully produced. It mm. was absolutely gorgeous to watch. And it was a couch mm. in, a, in a beautiful space. And you were having these really honest wonderful conversations with, with people, with women on the couch. Mm. It was a lot of the same team that work on Tommy's show, actually. David Power, same okay. producer. Um, Trina Lillis, who did all the set design. She does all Tommy's clothes and costumes. And Anna Rogers was the the uh, director. And um, I am mad for honest conversations. Like I just, I find it hard mm. not to, which is why it's a bit of a struggle with me trying to mind how much I talk about in terms of Tommy's stuff and all, all of that, because because if it were, I would just be an I'm a pretty open person. So mm. uh, I wanted to have conversations with women, very honest conversations with women about their lives. And so I asked some people that I knew, and then I asked people I didn't know that I was interested in, like mm. Joe Malone, and um, I asked Sharon Horgan, and that was terrifying. I was so intimidated by her because she's just she's such a extraordinary creature isn't she mm, she's mm, amazing yeah amazing fair play to her she came and did it and um, Eddie Reader, the singer who I yeah. was like besotted with and all these amazing women Maya Dunphy and mm. Sammy Leslie and um, it was great but I realised that I was sitting on the couch with them and having conversations and I kept having to stop going any further because I was getting back into their childhoods. I was digging into feelings and digging into history and digging into things in a way that is natural to me now. But at the time I wasn't really qualified and I would have maybe been 
crossing a bit of a boundary, digging some stuff up. Um, and I remember sitting with Celia Home and Lee in one of them and she was talking about her childhood. And that's where I am at. It's like everything else disappears. I'm just like, Vroomph. Mm. And um, when I heard that it wasn't commissioned, uh, I was really thrown because I was thinking, what am I going to do now? And what will I, you know, I was still trying to figure out the next phase of things for me um, with the kids and with Tommy being away so much. And, um, and then I went to do the psychology of counselling course in NUIG for a couple of years. And immediately it was just like, OK, this is where I belong. I belong in this. I belong in this. And I was every time, every lecture, every everything, I was just, it was like pulling me in. Yep, this is it. This is it. This is it. This is it. I couldn't get enough of it. And I probably since then rarely open a book that isn't about psychotherapy and client work or, mm. you know, some some area of it because it's endlessly fascinating. The deeper I go into it, the more I want. And um, I went from there then to do a degree with ICPPD and then I did my training here, um, my student hours, and then I opened my own practice out in beautiful Nauder, out in Furbo. Mm. Um, and I remember getting there and thinking, oh, do I belong here? Because they're very body. It's all about the body. Kira and Yosef have built this beautiful place that's all, it's like their farm and they eat what they grow and it's all bees and geese and ducks and hens and honey and um, they do Wim Hof retreats and craniosacral college and, you know, they live and breathe their work. Mm. And I remember sitting with her the first time and thinking, do I belong here? Will I, is this, can I fit in here is this and her saying yes come you know you can open your rooms here and from the moment I started there sometimes I don't even want to leave because I just feel like it's somewhere I belong so maybe my thing is finding those places where I belong and the people I belong with yeah and then going as deep as I can into that and trusting that this is where you're meant to be, that feeling you had when you met Tommy, this feeling now with your practice that this is this is feels good and right. The and same with the reins, with the band. This great. is where I belong yeah. in terms of singing and writing songs on stage with two women. Musically, I trust personally. Mm. I trust um, that something happens between us mm. when we sing together, when we perform. It's so exciting. It's so exciting. Um, yeah. But there's a belonging there too. There's a belonging with my clients. In every moment with them, there's a belonging. It's such a privilege. So, mm. yeah. And with the kids, you know, sure. too. Of course. Mm. So where can we see you guys perform? Oh, well, here comes the pr promotional moment. Let's do it. Go to the reigns.ie, R-A-I-N-E-S.ie. And um, we're playing the Galway Folk Festival on the 17th of June, which is great with Keela. Then we're up to Matt Malloy's lovely Matt. Lovely. Um, and then we're doing lots of the festivals over the summer, Forest Fest and All Together Now. Tommy and I are on the same bill for the first time in All Together Now, which is hilarious. The two names up on the... Wow. The, far, the All Together Now You're poster. not on the same time though, I take it? No. So he can come and see you, you can go see him? Yeah. Will um, he come and see you? Yeah, he comes a lot. He's Lovely. Really, he's really good. He's probably sick of looking at me singing, <laughs> but yeah. Um, and then Whelan's in August in Dublin, the folk festival, and then back out to Lovely in year where we all met. And uh, and then we're in Yall in September. We're in the Druid Theatre, McLally in December. So we're just, it's great. It's like now we uh, have gotten to a level where... Um, you know, a certain amount of people know about the band. They know the name. Mm. You know, we'll hear mm. ourselves get played on stuff and um, we're starting to get invited into the fold a little. So when something comes up, people maybe think of including us now because we're only around, you know, three years or something. So coming out of COVID, a lot of it was uh, during COVID too. So it's a really exciting time for us. How has this been for you? Because I know you're normally the person who is allowing the person speak and you're holding space for them. But to be the person answering the questions, as it were, can sometimes feel a bit funny. 
Yeah, I I am really fine talking about myself. I'll always wonder afterwards, did I say anything in terms of the people in my life that can be taken in any way, shape or form uh, that I wouldn't want? Um, but I'm always coming from a good place. Yeah. So have to trust it and let it go. Don't look at the comment section. No, exactly. You know, just don't look at the comment no, section. No, we'll silence the comment It'll section. Be given out about my cowboy boots. That's what will be picked <laughs> up out of that whole entire conversation. She wears cowboy boots. Yes, I or do. Or the bit you said about Tommy and the the nightdress. The nightdress. Yeah. Yes. I want His that favorites. to be a head, headline now. If I'd be very disappointed Little if it isn't. Little experiment. Yeah. See, can we make it a headline? Yeah. Yeah. I want to see that. <laughs> I'm sure he'd enjoy that. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. It's been lovely. I could yeah. stay here for a long time. For a full list of tour dates, just go to therains.ie. I hope you enjoyed this episode and thank you so much for listening to Ready To Be Real. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with and Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that and Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at bowlandbranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. This message comes from BOF sponsor eBay. You'll know real when you get it. It'll say eBay Authenticity Guarantee. And you'll feel it. Maybe it's a head-turning handbag, a watch that says it all, jewellery that makes you look like the gem, or sneakers and streetwear so fresh every step feels fly eBay gets it. So look for the blue check mark next to that thing you love and be confident that every inch, stitch, sole and logo is checked by experts. With eBay Authenticity Guarantee, you can trust that feeling of real is always in reach. Ensure your next purchase is the real deal. Visit ebay.com for terms.